it's time for adventure. It's time for Superman. Alexander Salkine presents Christopher Reeve and Richard Pryor in Superman 3. Now, the evil threat is not a mere superhuman. It is a supercomputer. What will it do for me? It'll do anything you tell me to tell it to do for you. A machine so powerful it can change the weather. Control the Earth. Right, Webster, the game's over. Will he conquer his evil side and conquer the super machine in time to save the world from destruction? Superman 3. This time is going to be the best time of all. Welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow-by-blow critique of Hollywood's worst-rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts, Michael, say hello. Hello. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're putting our pants on over our trousers to launch a month of superhero movies. Michael, this is probably your second favourite genre after horror, so what's the movie? Look, Claire. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman taking a belly flop into the world of unloved sequels. This week, we are discussing the first kryptonite nail in the coffin of the Superman franchise. It's Superman 3. So this episode was suggested by one of our listeners, Fraser McCain. I apologize if I get your name pronounced wrong. Um, If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, I will always screw up people's names. So don't be surprised. It's true. But it's true all the time. And my husband's always telling me off for it. Big Man 3 opened June the 17th, 1983 in the US. Rotten Tomato score currently sits at 30% critics and 23% audience. What I think is a bit harsh. It That's made, low. It, yeah. It made 80 million against a budget of 39 million. And now you're probably thinking, Michael, is this really a flop if it's mm. made quite a bit of a profit? So I went back to look at comparisons for Superman 1978, what made 300 million against a budget of 55 million. That's tasty. And Superman 2 made 190 million against a budget of 54 million. Also not bad. Not bad. So you can see it's gradually knocking down, people losing their interest. Mm. It ended at number 12 worldwide in the box office and number two domestically at the box office. The top 10 movies of 1983 were Return of the Jedi, Terms mm-hmm. of a Diamond, Flashdance, Trading Places, War Games, Octopussy, Staying Alive, Mr. Mum, Risky Business, and National Lampoon's Vacation. As you can see, it didn't even end up in the top 10. I think it's ended up like 11 or 12. No, there's um, some pretty big films in there. There isn't. My, oh, I iconic. suppose this is a big franchise, though. At the time, this yeah. was a big franchise. So for it to bomb badly enough. For it not to enter the to, top 10. To not chart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two other iconic unloved sequels came out that year that will probably be covered in a future episode is George 3D mm-hmm. and Psycho 2. So Psycho mm. 2 has a love-hate relationship with a lot of people. It's one of those 
Hocus Pocus 2 conversation. Claire, do you have any info behind the scenes stuff for us? <sighs> you see how he bats it over to me for the bit that's really long and complicated. Oh, so... yeah. I was, I was like, I'm going to rush through this, Claire, so you can just... <laughs> this I movie has back. history. Get comfy, folks. I'm going to, like, there's a lot of information and we don't have time to talk about it. You don't want to hear me talking for all this time about the history because it does go back all the way back as far as Superman the movie in 1978. So there is a lot to talk about. I'm just going to pick out sort of selected highlights of the shit show that was production on these movies just to kind of give you an idea of of how Mm -hmm. we got to where we did with Superman 3. So Superman the movie and Superman 2 were filmed simultaneously in uh, 1977 into 78 but the, there were tensions between Richard Donner, who directed the first two movies, kind of, and um, and the producers. I love the kind of. You well, I'm going to I'm going to explain it. I'm going to explain it. But he, at the time, at this stage of production, he was director on both movies. Yeah. But he didn't get on very well with the producers, particularly the the Sulkins, who were two of. The producers. It wasn't the entire team of producers that he didn't get on with. It was these two particularly, um, who were a father and son team who'd done various movies together, um, and evidently they just didn't gel very well with Richard Donner. There were a lot of tensions on set, and which re- resulted in various other people being brought in to help kind of manage those tensions. Um, but the the short version of the story is that it was decided to re- remove. Richard Donner from production about 75% of the way through making the second movie or they they decided to stop production on the second movie and finish the first movie yeah and then once that was done they decided to go back and finish the second movie but without Richard Donner I think is what happened so Richard Donner completed the first movie he'd made 75% of the second movie and then when the first first movie was fairly successful it was decided that they would complete this second movie but they brought in Richard Lester to take over as director and to complete the movie and he also reshot a lot of what had already been made so there are now two versions of Superman 2 there is the theatrical version which was directed by Richard Lester which uh, Donna has no credit on at all and then there's the Richard Donna cut that was released Uh, It came out for various home media in 2006, which is obviously the 75% of work that he'd done. Richard Lester has a directing credit on the Donner cut, though, so I guess... I think they must have reused some of the footage that he reshot. I haven't watched it yet. I have. It's really rough. There's there's scenes where there's some animation and some... And they've inserted some storyboards into it and some, like, off-camera... Uh, when they're running through lines and stuff on a camcorder. So it's really rough. Yeah. The removal of Richard Donner seemed to then cause tensions within some of the cast of the original pair of movies. So, oh, I haven't gone through who's back and who isn't. Should we quickly cut back to that? And then I will carry on with this story and it will make more sense of what I'm going to say. So in terms of the cast and crew, we have got a few returners. We've got Christopher Reeve back as Superman and Clark Kent, which seems like it would be an obvious thing that he'd be back, but I'm going to explain shortly that that wasn't always necessarily going to be the case. We've got Jackie Cooper back as Perry White. We've got Mark McClure back as Jimmy Olsen. We've got Margot Kidder back as Lois Lane, but not for much. She's in the movie. 
She's in the movie. She plays the character. More of this later. (laughs) Joining the cast, we have got Richard Pryor as Gus Gorman. We've got Annette O'Toole coming in as Lana Lang, who we did see the character in Superman the movie, but it was played by a different actress. Um, The character was in the Smallville scenes at the beginning of that movie when we see Clark as a teenager and we see Lana and some of the other kids from high school as teenagers. This character is back played by Annette O'Toole in Superman 3. We've got Robert Vaughan in as Ross Webster, who is the bad guy. He's been brought in to fulfill the role of uh, Lex Luthor, I suppose, because Gene Hackman did not return for this movie, more of which later. Uh, We've got Annie Ross coming in as Vera, Ross's sister, and we've got Pamela Stevenson as Lorelei, who I think is fantastic. I love her in this movie. She's absolutely Mm -hmm. brilliant. Yes, director is Richard Lester. He had worked on uh, Hard Hard Day's Night and Help with the Beatles. He directed A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And as I mentioned, he had finished production on Superman 2 after Richard Donner left production. The screenplay is by David and Leslie Newman, who had done screenplays for Superman the movie and Superman 2. They also did the screenplay for Santa Claus the movie, which I like Mm. very much. Ken Thorne is back doing music. So Ken Thorne was composer on Superman 2. As we all know, John Williams was composer on Superman the movie. Um, And then Ken Thorne came in and used the John Williams theme um, to do his own music for Superman 2 and Superman 3. Giorgio Moroder also did some songs for Superman 3, but they weren't particularly used very heavily. They were, they were I don't, there, I but... Did, I was when I was doing the research after watching this, I was a bit like, what songs? I, I, I didn't I, notice anything that, no, I was that a bit, I'm seems Google like it. Giorgio Moroder, but I guess he was huge in that bit of the 80s, wasn't he? You know, he was a big name to get in, so but they didn't but really I, use I his just did, yeah, I was a bit like stuff. what songs and apparently it's they in there using, somewhere. They used it minimally and I was like so small amount. So minimally we didn't that, notice. I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. While we're talking about music, shout out to any kid who's ever played second violin in school orchestra and spent ten years of their lives going da 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 for their school arrangements of any John Williams movie theme ever. I spent about 10 years not being able to tell the difference between Superman theme and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and any other theme that he had in Star Wars because all I ever played of it was Anyway, there we go. That's some childhood trauma released. I feel lighter. Back to the but, movie. So well, at least I don't know how to trigger you now. I'm just going to get the violin <laughs> on a soundtrack and just be triggering you all the time. Seriously, now. next time you hear a John Williams theme, just sing that and it will fit. Maybe not E.T. I think it doesn't work so well with E.T. And it doesn't or work Jaws. with Jaws. Yeah, but, but they don't tend to do Jaws in school orchestra, though. It's Shame. not such a school orchestra. Anyway. More of a trumpet thing. Yeah. So... Where did I get to with production? So we've got Richard Donner is gone. Various cast members were peeved by this decision. Yes, pissed off by the decision to remove Richard Donner from production on the second movie. Gene Hackman, there are two versions of the story. The nice, polite, fluffy version is that he was busy with other projects. I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers as I'm saying this. I'm watching her do them. Busy with other projects. The other version of the story is that he just refused to be involved because he was so outraged by how Richard Donner had been treated. So 
that's why Gene Hackman potentially is why Gene Hackman isn't back in this movie. And that's why we've had this new character of Ross Webster created um, rather than having Lex Luthor as the bad guy. Although the producers then said, oh, well, we, you know, we wanted to mix it up a bit. We didn't really want it to be always the same bad guy in all the movies. We wanted to well, change That's the excuse the... they gave for mm. Margaret Kinney not really being Lois Lane in it. We wanted to mix up the love interest. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Really? They wanted they they wanted to make a lot of changes. Those little ex- quotation mark fingers are back out again. They yeah. wanted to make lots of changes. So, Guess yeah, what? so... It, you don't what? need to make the changes when comic books exist and people have been reading them for 50 years. I know, years. this is the thing. So Margot Kidder is back as Lois Lane, but as we were just saying, she her part is heavily reduced in this movie. Um, again, there is a rumour it's because she objected quite vocally to how Richard Donner had been treated and in retaliation for that, the producers cut her role. The official line from the producers was, well, we didn't need her in the story. The character didn't need to be in the story so much because Superman and Lois's story had completed at the end of Superman 2, which is true. They were keen to then look at other potential love interests for Superman and Clark Kent. Well, I watched an interview yesterday online. The guy that played Lex Luthor in Smallville has a Mm -hmm. podcast. And he was interviewing Anita O'Toole, going, you're also in Superman 3, she was. And, they, she, and then she turned yes. around and said, I was given the role, and they developed the role bigger for me because they were pissed off with Margaret Kinney. So, right. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I mean they, arguably, there is, there's an original treatment from uh, for the original version of the story, which was written by Ilya Salkin, one of the producers, the son of the father-son pair. Um, He did a treatment for for Superman 3, which by all accounts was not very good. But it included some of the comic book characters. It included Brainiac. It included, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to try and say this without falling over the words. It included Mr. Mixies Pitlick. Who was supposed to be played by the guy from... Uh, It was Dudley Moore. If it was, that's what I'm looking for. Dudley Moore was lined up to play that part, and Supergirl was going to be in the movie. You can find this treatment online. It was released. Supposed to have a love interest. Superman and Supergirl were going to get together in their Superman and Supergirl were going to get together, which is really creepy because I thought she was his cousin. They are cousins. His cousin. Yeah, they're cousins. (laughs) They like the royal family or something. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Thank God, seventy percent of are Americans. yeah, you can find this treatment online if you want to, mm. but the, I haven't read it and people are not particularly complimentary about it. But the yeah, so Brainiac was a surrogate father for Supergirl, much in the same way as the Kents adopted Superman. Brainiac uh, adopted Supergirl, but then fell in love with her like the cousins thing wasn't weird enough. She wasn't in love with him because she'd fallen in love with Superman. And then at the climax of the movie, we were going to see Superman, Lana Lang, Jimmy Olsen, Supergirl and Brainiac all time travel back to the Middle Ages for the final showdown. And then Superman and Supergirl would get married either at the end of this movie or at the beginning of the next instalments. Warner Brothers just flat rejected this treatment. I would have loved Um, to see in a 1980s time machine like movie with Superman. Could you, <laughs> could you imagine it would go from filming in New York City, what they used at that time as Metropolis, and then turning it into the Time Bandits? That would have been such a contrast, <laughs> especially with Richard Lister directing, and he's not a great director. Yeah. As we so have learned that... from this movie. <laughs> 
yeah so that didn't happen and then once that didn't happen um Ilya Salkin said oh well I didn't want to do that movie anyway um I, I'm going to keep Supergirl for a solo film which is what ended up happening but the reason I mention it is because even mm. in that treatment Lois Lane is not a particular a particularly predominant character in the movie so she probably pissed them off by then as well apparently she was really maybe. awkward too yeah so. maybe he just wrote it that way from the start because he knew that she was pissed off with him and so he was pissed off with her yeah anyway uh Christopher Reeve also threatened not to participate in Superman 3 because of how Richard Donner had been treated but film the film was already in pre-production so the producers looked to recast and I'm going to go through I don't know whether you've looked up Michael who oh, the did. other casting options are but for the benefit <laughs> of our listeners if you've not looked this up this is a ride and a half so John Travolta was approached to play Superman um but he declined um thank you John Travolta for not <laughs> doing that because it's quite early on in his career actually and it yeah I think at the time it would have been seen as a a big move for him and a potentially opening doors but of course it 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 could have killed his career he was flying high in the well I don't know because staying alive came out this year it made more money than this but staying alive kind of that's true critically didn't do so well no but anyway I am very glad that John Travolta was never Superman I think that would have been very odd. Um, Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges were also considered, um, but they were, I don't know if they declined or if they were chosen against. Eventually, Tony Danza was cast to play Superman. But Richard Lester wasn't happy with the casting of Tony Danza, so begged Christopher Reeve to return. And again, there are two versions of what might have happened next. One version is that Christopher Reeve agreed to make the movie on condition that he could make some script changes because one of the reasons he didn't want to make the movie was that he didn't like the script yeah. the other version of what might have happened next is that he he panicked that they might make the movie without him he he didn't think they would call his bluff and he thought that they would just cancel production if he refused to be superman and then when he realized that they were going to make it without him he panicked and said okay fine i'll I'll, I'll be in it because he didn't want them to make it without him but he then said that he would not do any more superman movies um well we know that's a lie (laughs) well yes but there's a reason for that as well so he said he wouldn't he wouldn't be in in any more superman movies and he declined a cameo in the sulkins supergirl in 1984 but then by the time superman for the quest for peace was in production which came out in 1987 the sulkins were not involved in that movie and so he was happy to participate i think basically there was just so much friction between Mm -hmm the cast and the producers off the back of the previous friction between Richard Donner and the producers. And it just created this hot mess of everyone being grumpy with everyone else, which then manifests (laughs) in this movie. uh, I just don't like, I'm a massive Superman and I have never, and I have owned it in every format, but I have never completed watching Superman for the quest of peace. Have you not? No, I don't mind. Now I'm going to say this: I haven't watched Superman for the Quest for Peace in a really long time, so I might be saying something that when we come back in a year's time and cover Superman for the Quest for Peace, I might take back these words. But I don't mind it, and I've got a lovely tenuous connection to the movie that I'm going to say for when we do Superman for the Quest for Peace. God for that, because it doesn't work in this. (laughs) The the connection is not there for this movie. I'll save it for Uh... Superman four. I don't mind Superman four. I don't think I mind this movie, actually, but I, I, there's a lot wrong with it. But I, oh, yeah. you know, anyway. So the big addition to this movie, and one of the things I think that that changes 
the tone of the movie so much compared to the previous two is the introduction of Richard Pryor yeah. as one of the leads, which also seems like it came about in a really random way. Basically, he was on The Tonight Show uh, talking about how much he'd enjoyed Superman 2. And he was said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to be in a Superman movie sometime which some people think is actually a reference to one to a sketch that he did, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not going to name, but the information is there if you want to do it. it, it the, he used to do a skit in his stand-up where he was a black Superman who was whose undercover persona was a cleaner at the Daily Planet. So that might have been what he was thinking about when he was saying, oh yeah, I'd love to be in a Superman movie. But anyway, the Sulkins heard that he wanted to be in the movie, so they went and tracked him down and they offered him $5 million to be in the movie. And he was like, hmm, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. He didn't like the script. He was another one. He didn't really enjoy the script, but they were offering him $5 million, which in yeah. the early 80s was a buttload of money. I mean, $5 million is a buttload of money now. But, you know, 40 years ago, that was an insane amount of money. So unsurprisingly, he took the job. Yeah. So I think the the reason that we've got such a, a gear change from the first two movies into this one I think is the result of all of those changes we've got a lot of cast changes we've got huge changes in terms of the creative team and the introduction of Richard Pryor I don't think I don't think it's necessarily him but obviously if you hire Richard Pryor for for a project you know what you're getting and what we got was exactly what you would expect from Richard Pryor but that is not what you would have expected to see in either of the first two Superman movies it's a real shift Christopher the Christopher Reeve Superman is a sub character in this. It's a Richard Pryor movie with Superman. Yes, which ironically, this is the first movie that Christopher Reeve actually got top billing for. The previous two movies, he was credited after Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman, and then in the second movie, he was credited after Gene Hackman. Now those two have left production. He's now the big star, if you mm-hmm. like. Um, he gets top billing, but as you say, it's this is a Richard Pryor movie that has star uh, that has Superman in it. Yeah, really, rather than a Superman movie that has Richard Pryor in it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So, what, where do you sit on this? How? What? 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 I don't. Go uh, on. What have you I, got to say? I saw this film a lot as a kid. Now, I, 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 my memory of this movie is that it was on TV in the UK a lot as a child, probably more than the first two because the film doesn't perform very well at a box office. It's easier. Mm. They sell it to broadcasters cheaper than the, if a film performs bad at the box office. So while well, one and two probably still have yeah, yeah, yeah. and DVD yeah. sales, Superman so 3 it would have been cheaper for the TV studios ITV, to show. BBC to put on, yeah. and because yeah. it's Superman, kids watched it. Now I yeah. always before putting this on to rewatch it for this podcast. In my mind, in my little little mind, this was my favorite Superman. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Like yeah, of the Christopher my... Reeve era or yeah. of all of them? Of all of them. Wow. Punchy. Yeah. Like in my little mind, I was like, I love this one. Mainly because Vera Webster's, when she gets turned into the re- robot and she gets sucked in by the machine, mm-hmm. terrified me as a child. <laughs> like as a kid, I thought that was when she turned into the cyber woman. I was yeah. absolutely terrified of her. And I think because I've always liked horror as a kid as well, I think that was kind of like a horror element in it. And I suppose compared to the other two Superman movies, it had those elements in it. I was also really into my Sega Mega Drive at the time and my other device mm-hmm. when I was watching this. And I had that whole computer game scene at the end when they're yes. completely... Uh, watching it now, I'm just like, what the 
fuck is going on in this movie? What were they thinking? (laughs) This movie isn't that bad. It felt like somebody had got a collection of ideas about Superman and just dumped them in one movie. It doesn't make any coherent sense whatsoever. It's just Richard Pryor linking about a bunch of ideas into one Superman movie. Like, I just Mm. don't understand. Like, even when he makes that kryptonite and puts tar in it because it's an unknown substance. But we're supposed to believe that this device Superman's alter ego. Now, that Mm. alter ego scene when he fights each other is so iconic within the Superman feud. I remember watching that loads as a kid, and that was not my favourite scene. I remember it being longer. I was watching it going, actually, this is quite shit. I was yeah. Yeah, Superman being more punchy I, when I was younger. I agree with you. I I like um the Superman subplot and the the split person, the Superman versus yeah. Superman element. So I didn't mention it when we talk about production. The original it title of this movie was going to be Superman versus Superman. And then the producers of Kramer versus Kramer heard about this and threatened to sue. And the Sulkins tried to argue that it was in the style of the comic book Superman versus whoever the bad guy was going to be in that particular episode. Yeah. But anyway, because of this leak, this threatened lawsuit, the name got changed. I I think I would have quite liked Superman versus Superman. But anyway, they decided. This is, I don't this, think you would have liked it if you watched a whole movie in that one segment of Superman versus. Oh Superman. yeah, no, that's true. Actually, if I'd watched this movie and that was like the two and a half minutes of <laughs> Superman versus Superman, you're right. I would be like, what the fuck was that? Well, this that was completely half the problem missile. with. Well, that's the half problem a lot of people had with Batman versus Superman. And you're right. And you know, the Superman versus Superman scene is brilliant. The, I like that storyline, but it's so brief and it's so um, ancillary. Like mm-hmm. they could remove it from the movie and it wouldn't change. Yeah. The the logical. I was gonna, I'm not sure the word logical really applies to this movie, but the logical narrative path of this movie wouldn't be changed. I'm just trying to think through if anything would be changed. I don't think anything would change if they removed that entire storyline from this movie, no, apart from the fact that Christopher Reeve would hardly be in it. Yeah. Well, they would. They could still keep bad Superman. I just felt like it just wasn't portrayed. That happened in the comic books as well when he kind of like gets mm. split personality and stuff. But it would have made more sense if Brainiac made the bad kryptonite that did this. You just didn't get an yeah, explanation. Rather than Nothing had an explanation. Richard Pryor just kind of stumbling across this. Just, yeah, that's I. That's what I found quite baffling with his character. I quite liked him in this movie. I liked that he was this kind of hapless, not really trying to be a baddie, just wants some money. He just wants yeah. to pay his bills and pay his rent and have some food and have a job. But yes, I think that him kind of stumbling across the formula to create evil Superman was a bit like, Really, yeah. this is a bit of a stretch. He's just some dude who happens to be good at computers and didn't even realize he was good at computers. Mm-hmm. And now suddenly he's taking down Superman single handedly. I also got the impression from this movie that they were trying to lean into what was quite big at the time. You can see that was Roger Moore's James Bond. This movie fits very much more into that aspect than the previous two movies. There's like Roger Moore's Bond was huge at the time, internationally mm. and domestically. And I think that they were trying to lean into that because. He is, there's more comical value in here, what like Roger Moore's James Bond compared to Sean Yeah, yeah, yeah. little throwaway one-liners. And the one-night stand and the sexy woman waiting Ooh. on top of the statue and him having... I don't like horny, uh, horny Superman. I liked, I, I didn't mind horny Superman in Superman 2 because that wasn't 
that was a different kind of horny. He was so in love with Lois Lane and you yeah, could so see different. that in the way that it was being portrayed. That was a very romantic thing. But this kind of, that scene with him and Pamela Stevenson was, it was a bit It, it was very much kind of like me. Bond with two girls, one bad, one good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, I, well, I was watching it, I was like, this is like a Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's movie. the sexy Bond girl and the money penny, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It was very Yeah, much... I hadn't thought of it like that. I quite like that take. <laughs> Not for this movie. <laughs> I think I like it doesn't work in this movie. But I see what you're saying. And I see with yeah. that in mind where they might have been trying to go with it. Because well, Pussy was bigger that year than yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. was. So Roger Moore was like huge at the time. So yeah. it was, um, I, when I was watching, I just I felt like I'm watching a Roger Moore version. Or a, like when it was being like the first two Superman movies, like the Sean Connery and now... Bond had changed over the years. We had yeah, now yeah. developed into this Roger Moore esque kind of Superman. It's just something that came to mind when I was watching it. Yeah, no, I can see that. But I did, yeah, I don't think it works for this movie. But I see, no. I can see the angle. I can see what you're saying about the parallels. Yeah, I like there is some great ideas on this, but they're just not performed. I also, sh- I think it also shows how much work Richard Donner did on Superman Two. Yeah. And how much, like, how can you take a man that's used to making comedies with the Beatles and get him to make a superhero movie? You know, like, he did, yeah. like, it, like, them kind of like 70s, 60s comedy movies, like uh, A Hard Night or Born to Boogie, they're all not really kind of like coherent movies either. They're all kind of like a jumble of ideas linked together to make some kind for of. For sure. They're just, you know, they're just like pop videos that go on for two hours. And. Yes. With this, I felt like it was the same. It was just a collection of ideas yeah. that have been strung together. There was no they used Richard Pryor to navigate through them, but they didn't make yeah. any sense. They didn't it didn't make any coherent sense to me. There were some great ideas, but I just didn't think they would need to be in the same movie at the same time. But yeah. Oh. I think I'm disappointed at what you're saying because I think, you know, sometimes you watch things that are from your past and you're a bit like... Yeah. That, this, 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 remember, as a kid, I think because it was a collection of ideas, you don't really look yeah. at storyline. And as an adult, I was expecting more from it and it kind of like well, burst my little childhood bubble. This is the thing. I think exactly what you were just saying, I think, is the case. I think for a child watching this movie, it's probably quite enjoyable because... There, I mean, there is a linear plot, but you don't really have to follow it because it no. doesn't always follow itself. And for kids, that makes it much more accessible because it is just a collection of of short scenes and you can dip in and out. And if you don't pay attention for a while, you can come back to it and you're not going to feel like you've lost what's going on. And um, I felt like... And there, there is a lot of humour in it, which yeah. is going to appeal to the younger audience. I also felt um, I also felt that there was more Superman than Clark Kent in this one compared to the other two. So compared to the amount of screen time that Clark Kent gets in one and two, yeah. compared to Clark Kent in this one, it's more Superman yeah. on screen for longer periods of time. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I yeah, I can see that it for a young audience it would work because you've got all the humor, you've got the the iconic kind of this is the first time that we see in movie, I think, the the classic Superman goes into the phone box, although in this movie it's not a phone box, it's the photo booth, but the principle is the same of going in as Clark yeah. Kent and coming out as Superman. Um, and I like that little scene where he's he has all the photos and you can see the photos of him changing. changing. He just rips off the bottom one and gives it to the kid. Who is the kid who was a uh, nerdy little baby Superman in the first movie? 
to the same kid. Really? Oh, yeah, that's that good key? trivia. I did yeah, not know that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, having said that, I oh, I don't like the opening of this movie. I I think so. I think my my viewing of this movie, I clearly had seen it before because as I'm watching it, it's exactly what you said. Actually, the the thing of it being an a, a collection of ideas. I saw yeah. lots of scenes that I recognised. I didn't recognise the movie. Yeah, but I saw a lot of scenes that I recognise, like they're going into the the um, the photo booth and the car and getting changed and they're ripping open the shirt. This is the first time we see mm. him rip open the shirt and have the Superman logo underneath and the um, pushing the Eiffel Tower. I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, that's this film. And that's like when he blows Eiffel out the Eiffel Tower. Not the Eiffel Tower, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Tower of Pisa. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's been a very tiring week. That so yeah, easily so, just shoehorn in. That annoyed me. I remember loving that as a kid as well. Oh, but yeah, made... but that's the thing. Like, I have all these memories of seeing those moments. Yeah. And and iconic isn't the right word because that's really not an iconic moment. But as a child, it stays with you. Yeah. And the blowing out of the Olympic torch and all of those. And so I recognised it. I was oh, okay. That's from this movie. That's from. So I have yeah. seen this before, but I don't remember the movie at all. And I think my viewing of it for recording this suffered as a result of me having rewatched Superman the movie and Superman 2 over the last couple of weeks as well to kind of refresh my memory of those and they are such good movies I just felt like it was a really weak script and directed really badly and it just showed you how bad Richard Lester was in mm. Superman 2 if you ever watched the Richard Donner cut you can see they should have just left Richard Donner alone but Warner Brothers have had a had has had decades of fucking up DC movies. They've done it in the Batman franchise. They've done it in the Superman franchise. They've done it. They've done it with the Justice League recently with mm. Zack Snyder. They just can't keep their nose out. Just let directors be directors and stop firing people and giving shit people the jobs that original people were supposed to do. Yeah. You know, I think it's tricky with, with superhero movies as well, because the fans feel such strong ownership. Yeah, of the material definitely. and so maybe that i don't know maybe it's they're trying to make it as much of a crowd pleaser as they can but then it just waters down the material and it waters down the storylines and it waters down the characters and i think maybe you're better off finding someone who's really passionate about taking it in a particular direction and maybe not everyone's going to like it but the people yeah. who like it will really like it much as when we you know we've talked about when we've been talking about batman movies there mm -hmm. are some people who really don't like certain Batman movies, but the people who like those movies really like them. Yeah. And then the people that don't like those really like a different incarnation of the Batman movies. Well, there's like 80 years of Batman and 80 years of Superman at the moment. So there's all these different different reincarnations of those characters. Yes. Yeah. So there's different people, like t telling a Batman story or Superman story in the 1950s is very different to telling a Batman story in the 90s. So... It you know characters change, pop culture changes, environments changes. What's acceptable to say and do politically, it changes mm. as well. So th how things are portrayed, it's always moving and changing. And sometimes I just think the studios get it wrong. And I feel like this movie was a step in the wrong direction for Superman. Yeah, I think they could have made a really good movie with that the Superman versus Superman concept. Yep. And I think you're right, if it had been instigated guy. by someone like Brainiac, or even mm -hmm. Lex Luthor, I would believe it if Lex Luthor came up with 
a formula to split Superman's personalities because we know that Lex Luthor is an evil genius. But it's but you know, on that. Go on. How many tar kryptonite would you give Superman free? I um, uh, hmm. I was going to go in with a not high but a, a fairly positive, and then as we've been talking, I'm like, oh no, actually, is it actually crap? <laughs> but it's not <laughs> how to make someone hate a movie conversation with your friend. And yeah, no, this shit. is the thing. I mean, I'm aware that the way we've been talking, it, we have made it mm. sound crap, and it's not great, but it's not no crap. Like when I when I told my husband I was going to be doing this movie, he was like, oh yeah, I love Superman three. It's like, really? Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, that's the one with Richard Pryor in, isn't it? Y- yeah, it is. But okay, and this is the one you like. Fine, okay. But again, but he also liked, he would. He also liked the Mummy Free, so you know you can't really. Yeah. But <laughs> it's again, it's that thing, isn't it? I suppose because of our age of, of having seen it as a kid, and you see the funny scenes, and you forget all mm-hmm. the boring stuff and all the bit that doesn't make sense because you're a kid yeah. and you just ignore all of that. Um, so maybe we are the perfect age to appreciate this movie. Yeah. And there's a lot in it to like. And on that basis, I think I'm going to give it a solid two and a half out of five. Kind of da- dancing mm-hmm. away. I think it's better than the Rotten Tomatoes score that it's been given. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Um, but it is I nowhere agree. near as good as the previous two. So as a sequel, like as a sequel, it's like a barely even a one. But as a movie... <laughs> Well, because it doesn't make sense as a sequel, as a as a yeah. continuation of the previous two installments, it it makes zero sense. We've got very little yeah. character continuity. Um, the style of the movie is completely different. The way that the narrative works is completely different. So as as a sequel, it sucks. As a movie, mm-hmm. yeah, two and a half out of five. It's not great, but it's not awful. Yeah. How about you? Well, I'm gonna do a Claire. I'm gonna sit on the fence on this one. Because as a collection of ideas for a Superman movie, I would give it a four out of five for a collection of ideas. Mm. Like I like all the ideas they put into it. The way they went around and actually put those ideas in production is my problem. So if I so if I start at five and work backwards, I have to knock off the point for the script. Mm-hmm. It is awful. Mm-hmm. Which is down to four. Richard Lester is not a good director. I'm really sorry if any fans out there are I'm not a fan. I'd knock another point off for him. And I'd knock off half a star or another star, another trip tonight, should I say, for just the lack of how all the cast felt on this movie. Yeah. And how they all felt pushed into it and stuff. And no one walked away from this going, oh, this is a great movie. I really enjoyed making that. So I'd probably give it two out of five. I would give it two tar kryptonites out of five. And it's such a shame because going into it, it was like a four to five movie for me. So what does this teach you? Don't go revisit favorite <laughs> kids movie. If you liked it 40 years ago, leave it alone. Don't pull that thread. But then, no, exactly. So, but maybe when we carry on with the superhero month, we might come back and go, actually, compared to these other movies, this is pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, we might change our minds about this once we've seen some other superhero sequels because there's some stinkers out there. But for now, that is Superman 3 for you. A slightly chaotic episode, I think it's fair to say, but for a fairly chaotic movie. So I think 
that's correct that's reasonable um listeners tell us what you thought of the movie you can leave us a comment email us on unloved sequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at unloved sequels guys if you want us to cover supergirl what is a loose sequel to this movie or you want us to cover superman for the quest for peace reach out let us know because I'm not sure I'm mentally prepared to put them on the list just yet. But if you want us to hear <laughs> us talk about those two movies and carry on this world of unloved sequels to the Superman franchise, please let us know. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Michael. And from me, Claire. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thought you'd never get here. Well, I hope you don't expect me to save you because I don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't worry. I'm long past saving.